You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School presented by Privy. And a big thank you to our co-sponsors of the show, Suna and Hashtag Paid. And now a quick shout out to a giant pain in the butt for e-com stores everywhere, getting the right photos and videos to sell your products. Here's the truth. Not a single transaction happens on the internet that doesn't involve a visual. If you're in e-commerce, you need professional photos. That's Suna. They're the virtual content studio. Join over 10,000 merchants who get high quality creative by simply shipping their product, joining their shoot online and paying for the photos they need as they go. Oh, and those photos, they're only $39 each. Your pain point is about to be your secret weapon. Get started today at Suna.co. That's S-O-O-N-A dot co. All right, I'm here today and actually throwing out the intro that I wrote. I'm here with <laughs> Philip and Brian, the co-hosts of Future Commerce. And we've been doing this side by side for years, but we've never been on each other's shows. Ooh. And I literally just got off recording an episode for Future Commerce. So I want to talk about that. But Philip, Brian, complete industry veterans, started in Magento, decades of experience between the two of them. <laughs> Uh, on the agency side, and that's not a yep. crack. I mean that in a good way. Uh, and they're here today. So, guys, awesome to have you. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate that, man. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like a Marie Callender's pie, where <laughs> there's a certain nostalgia that comes along when you say the word Magento. That just kind of like it's like it's a good thing. I don't know why people you have, have weird nostalgia, man. Well, no. <laughs> I, I, here's why I say Magento. I, I, I didn't mean that as a crack. I say Magento because no, no, no. I'm like. For me, like I grew up in the Shopify ecosystem and I'm like, yeah. mm -hmm. oh man, like the people that really like got their start in Magento, like that They're was old, <laughs> not a weary. No, yeah. that was like enterprise commerce, you know, yeah. like on the bleeding edge. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting at the time it actually wasn't. <laughs> well, it depends. Well, <laughs> the funny thing is, and this is the secret nothing was ready for prime time ever back in those days. And we, yeah. you know, the thing, the battle scars everybody has is like, we were all building the ship as we were sailing it. It's like the ecosystem was incredibly immature. Every single, you know, there's a lot of chest beating about the success of a lot of platforms, but that stuff only made it out by the skin of its teeth. I have a whole theory about an alternate reality where, you know, Magento actually won the platform wars, but that's a, another show for another time. Yeah. Wow. And I know your audience has a very specific bent, but I, you know, these days we are... We're doing you know, we, it all. Come, we're uh, doing it all. We, we yeah, come through the agency ecosystem. We live to fight another day. And these days we're building a media company. I think having an understanding of everything that exists in the ecosystem is the important part of what we do at Future Commerce these days. Yeah. So look, when I was starting the podcast, like we looked around and I had, you know, a handful of folks that I called inspiration. And it was Kurt from Unofficial, mm -hmm. who's become a friend, great guy. Good guy. And it was the Future Commerce Podcast. Oh. And also, um, no, no. And it's not a podcast, but the work that Web does as well Yeah, at 2 p.m. So for me to have you guys on the show is awesome. So let's, like, for my listeners, they may not be familiar with Future Commerce. What are you guys up to? Yeah. What are we not up to? That's the real uh, question. <laughs> I mean, the elevator pitch is, you know, we're a media company focusing on uh, e-commerce retail marketplaces. And we publish media almost five days a week these days, depending on the week. Started in podcasts. We have five podcast properties, if you count them all up. 
Future Commerce Infinite Shelf step-by-step and Casting Visions and a couple more forthcoming. We also do original research and that's part of the thing about, you know, newsletter culture and a lot of podcast culture has really become reductive around the news and that doesn't create a back catalog that's valuable for a lot of people. It becomes very fixed in a place and time and very prone to fads and fashion. The thing that is much more durable is us creating our own worldview, again, future commerce, trying to trend cast and forecast where the industry is going, come up with a lot more abstract ideas and Mm -hmm. use those abstract ideas as an imprint to then filter the current news by. So rather than talking, oh, Gen Z research, no, it's about creating a persona around a Gen Z consumer named Carly. She can't afford real life yet, Carly. And how do we talk about her? And how do we talk about the way that she engages with the world? It's not just because TikTok is a means of arbitrage, It's that she's finding culture through this unique social channel that's not just making her a consumer, but prompting her to be a creator. And these are the ways that we talk about things. It makes us a little different. We don't do tips and tricks. We don't do the one weird marketing hack. And we're actually a little cynical around that part of our industry. Probably, again, because of our battle scars from, you know, prior (laughs) eras. (laughs) I also think we actually have, like, pretty strong belief sets at Future Commerce as well. Like... Commerce touches so many things in this world. It touches literally just about everything. And so by going about commerce and doing it in a way that's it's not just about making a sale, it's not just about the transaction, it's about interacting with people, having relationships, and building things the way that we, building a world really that we all want to be a part of. And so yeah. strong belief set, strong focus on consumable strategy. <laughs> nice. I love it. Infotainment, love it. if you will, and, uh, <laughs> with zero journalistic integrity. Awesome. So, <laughs> so what's the best spot for someone to check you guys out for future Futurecommerce.fm. Forward slash subscribe. <laughs> yeah, subscribe. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And you'll get it all there. And like, like I said, it's really, we we're kind of high-minded in the way that we create brands around the types of content we create, but you can get it all from the fire hose right over there. Awesome. So I want to talk about the evolution in this industry that you two have seen, right? Through your work at RightPoint or Future Commerce or back in the Magento days. Like what in your mind has evolved, either when it comes to platform selection or technology or anything really? Oh gosh. That's a lot. That was a lot. Can I, I mean, I'll tell you from my own personal story, because the thing I can speak most authoritatively about is my own journey. I started as an engineer in this ecosystem. I was writing code up until five or six years ago. Wow. In many respects, you know, I was one of the most highly decorated and sought after Magento developers in the ecosystem and helped build a lot of core parts of the platform that are still in use today. The industry, I think, used to be really gatekept and uh, controlled by the developers. And if you look at some of the largest companies that power a lot of the ecosystems in commerce today, I'm talking about like Stripe and Twilio and a bunch of these others, they are developer-centric companies. And a lot of e-commerce has left the developer ecosystem and abdicated that throne. Hmm. And so the developer is left by the wayside and the marketer is the hero. In reality, the people who make purchasing decisions are somewhere in between that continuum. And forgetting about the developer, I think, is a huge mistake and a big shift for this ecosystem. We don't create programming for it. Even future commerce, we're struggling with how you work a developer Hmm. into the story. It seems like a completely different type of a persona. But in reality, developers become marketers and marketers become developers in our current world. And so trying to figure out how you take a highly technical audience 
and tell them about the future trajectory of an industry is a challenge for someone to solve in our space in the media industry. That's the biggest change that I would say has happened over the last 10 years. And that you could use that abstract idea of the developer to marketer chasm is the actual story of Magento. It's the story of, of Demandware. It's everyone's platform story. And that's kind of what, where we all find ourselves. Brian, I don't know if you have thoughts. No, that's a really good way to put it. There's a lot of, um, I think we see the same tension when we look at sort of having a brand that's driven by its consumer versus brand that's driven by its own identity. I think you could apply that exact same thinking toward platform as well and, and to technology. Like, is that tool and the technology being driven by the actual like net new like benefit of that technology or is it being driven by the needs of the ecosystem? And so I think that tension, Philip, you put it a good way, like that is a lot of what spurs the change. Now, what that actually means in practice now is we see like the the move from one web one to web two to web three or however many yeah. dots you want to put in there along the way. You see this move from like a lot of emphasis, you know, in hype circles from being like, oh, we're just a bunch of entrepreneurs building out cool web stores to oh, we're like direct to consumer to, oh, we're like Web3. <laughs> like, right. There's a huge shift in culture. It's actually a lot of the, I think a lot of the same actors are kind of finding their way and growing through this as well. And the technology is kind of driving that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fascinating that you described it as like a shift, almost like an empowerment and some of these roles blending together, but away from like purely dev to marketer probably somewhere in the middle kind of mirrors how I would describe it or uh, around like the move from Magento to Shopify, where it's like, you kind of needed all these like systems integrators and developers to get a site live to, oh, you could just be sitting home with an idea and get a, a store live today before you go to sleep. But I do want to talk about kind of mini shift back to dev <laughs> and that's around headless, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you just opened a big can of worms. <laughs> uh, there's a. It's funny because this is the challenge right now. I wish we could sort of do the Adam Sandler click movie sort of a deal where you can just hit fast forward and see how it all panned out in the end. Yeah. Because we're in a big, you know, this is a tectonic shift in our industry as to how we're going to solve certain problems. I think on one hand, you have API-first platforms. I mentioned I name-dropped a couple right, where the thing that is differentiating for your business is the thing that you build on top of that API. And for some marketplaces like payments and distributions and the way that things sort of get net out and the way that you pay out your vendors, like those things are unique to every business. I really wonder if front-end customer experience is unique to every business or not. And today, I, I call it the lingua franca of e-commerce. It's like we have a language, a visual language that we operate in with a hamburger menu and an add to cart button and a checkout and a one-click payment, fast rest in peace. Like we have a, a language that you kind of have to abide by so that you don't have to retrain your customer of how to shop with you. Some friction's good, yeah. right? Like we want some surprise and delight, something that you weren't expecting, something that's like really exciting. But there's a psychology principle that it's too much change becomes recognizable and it right. becomes an impediment. And I think it's like 10 to 15% of something you can get away with small evolutionary shifts 
where they become small points of joy and moments of serendipity that you weren't expecting to encounter. Maybe you can do that with Headless. I don't know that if you build that from scratch as an ecosystem on top of pure APIs, if we all wind up in like a really good place or if we wind up reinventing a wheel and spending a lot more time, like you mentioned before, Ben, in the... Um, in the agency ecosystem having to, you know, build things that have already been built. And that's the thing that, like, I, I'm not saying that as like a naysayer, I just don't know. I don't know if that's where we wind up. And so now Brian might be a lot more bullish and probably because, you know, Future Commerce is underwritten and sponsored by a lot of platform companies who, you know, certain, who I will tell you, they're investing heavily in headless. Yeah. But I, I think pragmatically, the industry will buy what the industry buys probably because their next closest competitor is buying it. And that, right. at the end of the day, is what will actually guide us and direct us. It's interesting. I think that a lot of what you're saying is true, Philip. I also think, in addition, that a lot of this back and forth has to do with like efficiency versus differentiation, right? And so the industry has swung towards being really efficient. Like, we just talked about this when we did the future commerce side of this. Like, there's a lot of stuff you probably don't need to have a good experience. Right. Like you need to do these 20 things really well and you probably don't need anything else to like actually go to market in e-com with a good product. <laughs> but there's the other side where like, okay, yeah, I've got these 20 things. They all match industry standard, but like nothing about me stands out and I have like no ability to show off a different experience and give customers an experience that's really 100% my experience. Now, of course, that is a complete falsehood regardless because 80% of your customer experience or 70% of your customer experience is built on experiences that you had no hand in building whatsoever. But the parts that you can control, like giving a certain level of differentiation is where Headless sort of says like, oh yeah, like I am going to stand out. I am going to find a way to make what I do different. Yes. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like that... That is a good thing. <laughs> it's just Man, a you open the can. Sorry, I, buddy. No, I love How it. How much money I do you want it. to invest in that? That's the big question. <laughs> That's the and do you need headless to be able to do that and ask yourself as a business operator whether or not you're willing to invest in customer experience? And if so, like the tool set, I think at that point doesn't actually matter. It's your willingness to invest in it. I think I was just going to say pretty much the exact same thing. Like headless is not going to be the thing that takes you from not succeeding to succeeding, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably not going to be the thing that takes you from a million to 10 million. But for the right people that actually understand what they're getting into, I think that's the problem. I think most shiny objects that you chase for your e-commerce business are not going to get you into trouble. This is one that actually could. Like I'm, <laughs> I, have a, I have a spicier take on this because like, a lot of these people who adopt Shopify or platforms like it are doing it for the agility. They want to make a change yeah. like that. They right. want to add a new product or That's landing right. page like this. And as soon as you move to headless, all of that agility is gone. Now, to be fair, Grass ben, is greener, like, ben, right? you're talking about mostly SMBs, right? True. Yes. Yes. That's my passion and what I know. If you want to go implement commerce tools, you cannot do that as an SMB. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's just one platform of many. I will say like Shopify is deep into, I think hydrogen is like its runtime right. for its its new headless offering, which is, you know, still very much like developer beta. My sense is there is a need for it. There is market demand for it. 
somebody will use it and somebody will be successful on it. I think the question for me is, if you have never been in a business that is hamstrung by developer activities and that is your biggest bottleneck and being able to be nimble and to be agile in the way that you're operating your business and everything comes down to a developer pipeline, then you have no idea what that pain is and you're willing to endure the pain because it's something that you're just not akin to. If you're on the other side where everything that you're trying to do requires developer effort to get done, then you are begging and pleading for no-code tools and for page designers and things that will allow you to be a little more agile. I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. We just did a, a piece of research, you mentioned right point before, you know, we, Brian and I both have you know, our feet in the agency world, and we just did a piece of consumer research uh, where we brought in um, a bunch of B2B experts to tell us you know, what their challenges are on, in their business and growing and scaling their business. And Shopify merchants said that their biggest pain point is code and apps and like writing third-party code. And it's like, I want this piece of functionality that I didn't realize that I was going to have to build and maintain outside of the Shopify runtime. Yeah, It's so funny. That is the common ground because everybody has that challenge. Whether you're on Shopify or not, everybody expresses the same challenge. The amount of the challenge is really proportionate to the scale of the business and the opportunity in front of you. Fascinating. Well, look, I, we could go for hours about this. Yes. <laughs> I know you guys got to jump, but I think that's a good good wrap-up point, right? One of the things I love about Future Commerce, I think it, it complements this podcast really well. So go check it out, listen to it. They dive deep into real concepts, and it's a, a little bit less about the tactics and the education. So... Brian, Philip, awesome having you guys on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. All right, take care.